Shabbat shalom. It's been such a hectic week here in our synagogue. <laughs> Have you ever had these kind of weeks, you know, where the, you can't wait for the week to end? What may be an intense job anyway is overrun with one crisis after another, one obligation after another, with no apparent respite, just one urgency after another, as if all we do is fight with the world struggling to hold our ground against that tsunami. After weeks like this, I yearn for Shabbat, an opportunity to study Torah, worship with several hundred of my closest friends in the synagogue, and reflect on life. No matter what we've done, no matter how important we think the weekly fight might have been, Torah forces us back to the center. It forces us to ask what is truly important. What is my life about? For especially these kind of hectic weeks, Shabbat is such a balm for me, an opportunity to breathe and get out of the way of the volcanic universe, at least for 26 hours. Things calm down here. The Shabbat bride visits us. We welcomed her several minutes ago during L'Chadodi. That's why we turned around and opened the doors of the sanctuary. B'nai Mitzvah students here on Shabbat morning lead the morning service, delighting us with their knowledge, poise, and wisdoms. There are no grades, no competition, no status, no puffery, just a celebration of being alive and gratitude for the blessings of Judaism. Shabbat, what a relief. Even you're nicer to us on Shabbat. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, you're always nice. Tonight, we have the special joy of honoring Scott D. Savino, the coordinator of our emergency food program. Stand up, Scott, let everybody see you. <laughs> And through Scott, through Scott, all of the amazing men, women, and children who gather weekly to serve breakfast to dozens of hungry people in our neighborhood. I hope you all go downstairs after the service to share in the joy of honoring one of our own for his exceptional accomplishments. And on the way down, stop by the men's shelter or on the way back up, Say hello to our guys, our guests who are here this evening, and say a word also to the terrific, amazing volunteers led by Jamie and Lance Lehner. Shabbat is such a reprieve, especially after weeks like this. We need the time to step back so that we can remember and pursue the other principles of our lives that count love, devotion, Loyalty, family, friends, compassion, wisdom, Torah lishma, not for grades, not for advancement. Torah lishma, study of Torah just for the fun of it. Shabbat grants us this gift of time that precious resource we always take for granted. Time. 
the one element of our lives that cannot be replaced, it cannot be manufactured anew, this day is gone forever. We can never retrieve it. We have used up one more day of our limited sojourn on earth. I wasted time, and now doth time waste me, Shakespeare wrote. Judaism urges us to find our life's rhythm. Six days of work, six days of productivity, six days of engagement, six days of earning, six days of trying to get ahead, six days of fighting with the world, fighting for principle, fighting for justice, fighting for what is right, and one day of stepping back. It's not only to rest because our bodies are weary and we are physically drained. It is to remind us that life cannot be all about fighting with the world all the time. If all we do is slay dragons without respite, we run the risk of becoming dragons ourselves. Even Don Quixote must rest. Even if we are devoted to attacking the windmills of injustice, the righteous fight itself, the fight itself grinds us down. There's a fascinating verse in this week's Parsha, Vayishlach, that teaches this precise point, that it is important to be a warrior for justice and righteousness and morality, but we must take the soldier's uniform off as well, lest we become full-time warriors, losing touch with why we fight and even being corrupted by it. Remember, Jacob returns to Canaan after 20 years of being away. He left in order to escape the wrath of his twin brother Esau, who was tricked by Jacob out of their father's blessing. On the border of the land of Israel, Jacob learns that his brother is massing what Jacob believes to be an army, 400 men accompanying him for the brotherly reunion. Jacob assumes that Esau, the great warrior, wants revenge and seeks to kill him and perhaps his family as well. And then we read this great verse. me'od And Jacob was very afraid and distressed. The sages noticed the unusual phrasing of this word, verse, two words that essentially mean the same thing. Vaira, and Jacob was afraid. Vayetzer and was distressed. He was anxious. The rabbis wanted to know, why did the Bible use two words to describe the same emotion? Why not simply say, Vayira Yaakov, and Jacob was fearful, or Vayetzerlo, and Jacob was anxious, distressed. Why say both fear and distressed when one description of fright would have been enough? Is there a difference? between those two Hebrew words, fear and distress. In a pithy interpretation, a few words that contain a library of meaning so characteristic of the Jewish sages of old, 
the rabbis teach. Vaira, he was frightened lest he be killed. Vayetzer, he was distressed lest he kill. According to the sages, the Bible uses two words to describe fear to emphasize that there should be two types of fear in our lives. The first is the most obvious. It's the fear of being killed, the fear of being harmed, the fear of being taken advantage of, of being exploited, the fear of losing your life, losing ground, losing the debate, losing the cause, losing the job, losing the promotion, losing the acclaim. Whether we admit it or not, we all fear these things all the time. We are constantly looking out for ourselves, constantly protecting ourselves, pursuing our own interests. Quite right. Judaism teaches, if I am not for myself, no one will be for me. Our tradition insists that no person is really truly altruistic, nor should we be. We must take care of ourselves, protect our own, and defend our status, lest we be trampled. The second type of fear is less obvious, and the reason, say the sages, that the Bible states it a second time. It is the fear that Jacob had of having to kill. Jacob was distressed that in the coming confrontation with Esau, he would be compelled to kill his brother or his brother's comrades. But isn't killing in self-defense permissible, asked the rabbis. Yes, they responded, but even if you are permitted to kill, even if you are entirely in the right and there is no alternative, still, using force should cause you distress and anxiety. The first type of fear is to your body. The second type of fear is for your soul. The first type of fear is for your physical life. The second type of fear is for your moral life. The use of force, any kind of power, whether on the battlefield, in the workplace, at home, or in our social and political interactions, exacts a price from both those who have power and from those upon whom power is employed. Power intoxicates the one who has it and crushes the one who doesn't. Force turns a person into a thing, something less than fully human endowed with the dignity of the Creator. Those who use force and those who suffer from it are both compromised, even in pursuance of a just cause. The rabbis teach that we must be on guard all the time. We must recognize how dangerous human beings can really be. Never completely trust the good intentions of the other, lest you expose yourself and be killed. 
At the same time, they urge us never fully to trust ourselves. Never completely trust your own virtue. It should cause you to have anxiety, to have to employ force or coercion in any way. Seek the good, or the sages. Be compassionate. Remember the best definition of Judaism. Rachmanim b'nei Rachmanim. The compassionate ones, the children of the compassionate ones. Such as our world is now, we have no alternative but to use power. But beware, teach our sages, that in the course of your righteous cause, you do not lose your soul. Be frightened and protect yourself, but be distressed that in defending yourself, you may lose yourself, becoming coarser, darker, and crueler. And that's why tonight, in honoring our Volunteer of the Year, is so joyous. Our tendency is to scorn those who have fallen on hard times, to assume that their misfortune is their natural station, that in some way, they deserve it. When we look at them, we fear for ourselves. I must do all that I can to protect myself and my family, lest I, too, end up hungry. But what we are concentrating on tonight, through our Volunteer of the Year, is the second type of fear, distress that in the course of pursuing my own good, in the course of protecting myself from suffering that I will lose myself. I will ignore or downplay the suffering of others. We're celebrating the stepping away from force, coercion, and constantly fighting with the world. We're celebrating goodness. We're recognizing those righteous and compassionate souls, those who attend to the ones beaten up and trampled upon by the world. In part one of his monumental novel, Cervantes describes how a curate, a religious authority, tells Don Quixote that he was robbed on the way to Seville. The robbers were slaves that had been liberated by a man that the curate denounces as either crazy or unprincipled. Who in their right mind would release bad guys who would then do bad things against good guys? The curate states that the liberator of these men risks damnation. It was Don Quixote himself who had released the men from chains. When Sancho Panza protests that he warned his master that it was a sin to release the men in chains and to grant them liberty, Don Quixote erupts in protest and recites these immortal words. It is no business or concern of knights to inquire whether the afflicted, the enchained, 
and the oppressed whom they encounter on the road suffer as they do because of their vices or their virtues. The knight's sole responsibility is to aid them as persons in need, having regard only for their suffering and not for their misdeeds. I did with them, says Don Quixote, what my religion, my sense of duty, require of me. Don Quixote at rest. What a perfect Shabbat.